die. Cheer up, Eeyore. We won't perish for days. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Uncanny Cinema. We're here for episode two. We're coming off the heels of Leonard Part 6, the 1987 classic film. And today we're going to do the 2011 movie Winnie the Pooh. Uh, I'm here with a new roundtable of guests. We have Tim, a uh, robot butt OG, who's over on Franchise Strikes Back with me. Hello. We have Jess, who uh, knew us all in college and knows us all still. That was a weird intro. Uh, but here we are. She brought uh, an OU glass with her, so that's why I'm thinking of that. Yay. That's Jess. And we have Madison, also known as Jack, who I only found out recently has a mysterious origin for her nickname of Jack. So I'm going to assume that just stands for Jack-Jack. It's short for Jack-Jack and that she's named after the character in The Incredibles. That is almost correct. The character is named for me. Okay. So. All right. (laughs) Big ties to Pixar. All right. So that fits in with what we're going to be uh, looking at here today with Winnie the Pooh. Uh, You might think it's kind of odd that we're going to do a Disney movie here for our second one, especially since our focus for these is obscure, bizarre, unloved, overlooked, and underappreciated. But this is not a major Disney movie. This is not, uh, you know, Beauty and the Beast or Aladdin or Pinocchio or anything like that. It's something that I honestly didn't really hear much about. I remember when it came out but there had been a string of Winnie the Pooh movies in the last 20 or so years. And we'll probably talk a little bit about that. Uh, But I didn't hear much about it. And I'm a fairly decent, you know, decently big Disney fan. And we've got everyone who's on this is a Disney fan, some more obsessive than others, Mm -hmm. Uh, but definitely Disney fans across the board. And it's just one that I feel slipped through the cracks and it definitely didn't do well. And so we will talk about some of that as we go along. So, uh, what do we make of Winnie the Pooh? It was absolutely delightful. Yeah, like agreed. I mean, I, I mean, I grew up watching the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh, Same. and then mm-hmm. yeah, that with, theme oh song. My God, that theme song was great. <laughs> yes. But, um, no, so I grew up with the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh, and then obviously my parents and my grandparents had like old VHS copies of the original Disney Winnie the Pooh ca- cartoons, like the Blustery Day and all of that. So I always enjoyed Winnie the Pooh. Um, But yeah, like Linton said, this came out in 2011 and it didn't make a big splash. I remember it coming out and I remember I had wanted to see it, never got around to it, and then promptly forgot about it because it really did kind of come out of nowhere and dropped off the face of the earth. Disney did not promote this like at all. So you're the problem is what you're saying. You're the yeah, I, I well. ruined I ruined its you, box yeah. office chances. Yeah. If yeah. I had ponied up the nine dollars, that would have been enough to it's true to put it over. Did anyone see it in the theater? Did anyone? Hear I didn't it? even hear about it. I never heard no. about it because Tim yeah. didn't tell me about it. <laughs> yeah, oh, I was. I mean, I was a Disney cast member when this movie came out, and I didn't Whoa. see it. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm kind and of going to blame too. me. And Jess is the Disney super fan I was talking about. So. <laughs> yeah, Surprise. and I'm looking back, like, I was like, when was this released? Because when you told me about it, I was like, oh, I'm sure I've seen it. And then I think I conflated it with Christopher Robin, which wasn't that long I ago. definitely did. So wait, none of you have seen this then? 
Is that right? We've seen uh, it now. Yeah, that's our first No, I, well, I, Tim, Tim and Jack, I knew you guys hadn't seen it, but I, I really thought you had just one because no. you're a Disney super fan, and two, uh, a couple years ago when Christopher Robin came out, you messaged me about, like I post something, I, I believe my post was, I've been watching a lot of Winnie the Pooh and FYI, Rabbit is a fucking bigot, which is true. Um, not in this movie, but he is yeah. in many of the other... <laughs> Uh, he is. Wow. We can we can go into when you, that. When you dig into his Twitter account, there are some questionable <laughs> tweets from five years ago that have not aged well at all. But yeah, <laughs> like I, I remember, I was looking it up, and um, Jess, you had messaged about you posted on there about like the Pooh's Grand Adventure, mm-hmm. um, and I think I brought up watching this one, but it was like at the end of the thread or something. I just assumed you had seen it based on how yeah. much you were into the other one. No, like I, I mean, I was working in Disney at the time and uh, yeah, I just wasn't seeing many movies unless they, I didn't even see Captain America, which came out, you know, a couple of weeks before this. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see Harry Potter in theaters, which came out the same day. That's like, not Disney. Shh, no, we don't <laughs> mention that franchise. Get out I know, of here. right? <laughs> the franchise that must not be named. Come on. No, uh, <laughs> but it's like, yeah, I just wasn't seeing movies that summer I think I was just working too much and broke and yeah that's my excuse I guess you're making Disney not sound so great to work at are you sure you want to be putting that out on a recording there Jess uh you know I mean you guys saw that that reopening commercial who wouldn't want to work there oh boy all right <laughs> making the news Linton. uh so but anyway I remember this coming out. I remember wanting to see it. There wasn't, maybe I caught a commercial at one point. I know I saw AV Club put a review up for it. So I remember wanting to see it basically just on the virtue of it being Winnie the Pooh. And and I didn't. And then I essentially forgot about it until, basically until Litton brought it up to do an episode about this. So I watched it and like, you Litton kind of touched on this, I think, a little bit, but, you know, there have been a number of Winnie the Pooh movies and stuff that have come out over the past however many years. Most of them haven't been very good. Like, they've, they've been a lot of more direct-to-video quality kind of things. So, and, and it's still Winnie the Pooh. It's still enjoyable to a degree. So I went into watching this not really knowing what to expect. Mm-hmm. And especially seeing that it's, like, it re- it's really a 53-minute Thing. It's not yeah. even a feature length movie. It yep. is very, it is very short, and I, I don't think that's a bad thing necessarily. I actually think that works in this, in this movie's favor. But going into it, seeing how short it was, I was kind of like, oh well, let's see how this goes. And it was, it was fantastic. I mean, right off the bat, even though it's a different, it's a cover, it's a different song. When that opening started, mm-hmm. oh my god, mm-hmm. all the warm fuzzies. Yep. Oh, like, yeah. I well, it was, it was it just, Zoe, Zoe Deschanel did it, right? She did yeah. a couple songs, and I thought she did she the did. opening. Yeah. yeah. I wrote down in all caps, Lady Who Sings, because I got really excited about it, and I couldn't remember her name at the time. I, I thought of it later, though, but yeah. I got excited for the Lady Who Sings. Yeah, it was beautiful. And that soundtrack is really awesome. I mean, oh, yeah. obviously they used the original song, but like, um, it was written by the Lopez's who wrote the Frozen soundtrack. And it's like, how did this not get more coverage? Like, yeah. When did Frozen come out? 2013. Well, this was before that. Even. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not only before it. This is the reason they got the Frozen gig. Oh. Disney approached them because they were 
happy enough with the songs like even the movie wasn't like super success or really wasn't successful um they approached him because they thought they did such a good job with the songs that they pitched them on the basic concept of like well we want to do the snow queen and kind of the idea of frozen mm-hmm. um I, I read that i guess it was like kind of the reversal of how you know stuff usually is pitched you know yeah. a lot of times um so disney actually went to them with we would like to do x so that's how they got yeah, that I but feel- even but even they before- want to do drugs <laughs> yeah uh this is how we do molly at disney um, <laughs> no but even before that they had i mean avenue q was a pretty big sensation in theater and I've uh, heard book of, of mormon predates is it 20 is it after 2011 so you i didn't know there was gonna be a quiz I only studied for Winnie the Pooh, Winnie dash yeah. the dash Pooh. We, we please respect the dashes in the right. name. It when have, when you're speaking, I need you to I need you to pronounce those. Uh-huh. Thank you. In a very Spider Man <laughs> type fashion. Yes. yes. Uh, but yeah, so all I'm saying is that it's it's kind of unusual that they. Uh, I, I mean, if it's pre Book of Mormon, I guess it makes a little more sense. But if it's after Book of Mormon, they were pretty established at that point uh, for it not to get better promoted. I guess who did Book of Mormon that also did Winnie they, the Pooh? Now I'm confused. The, the Lopez's helped write the songs. Thank yeah. you. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, I uh, thought I mean, yeah, the, the Trey and South Parkman did. Trey and Matt them. did, but they you yeah, know, your buds, Trey and Matt. You're on first name basis with them. That's how close you are. Wow, you're just gonna give me shit here on the Winnie the Pooh episode. Digging in, coming in hot. That's how it goes. Tim threw out something I thought was interesting and was along my thoughts of he brought up like the direct to video stuff. And I think that's part, Mm -hmm. there's another big reason why this movie didn't succeed, but I think that's part of the reason why it probably didn't do well. Marketing was probably part of it. But Disney has released a number of those direct-to-video or limited theatrical release movies where they're kind of like Disney doing a sequel but not really giving a shit. Like mm-hmm. not Toy Story 3 or Incredibles 2 or it's like where, you know, they just like throw everything they can into it. It's like Return to Neverland or... Mm-hmm. Um, the Mediocres. Yeah, yeah. L- Lion King. Which ironically, Return to Neverland got much more of a marketing push than Probably. this Probably. I remember... I remember Return to Neverland being all over the place <laughs> when it came out. Well, Planes is another one. Uh, the Pixar Oof, offshoot. You saw that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so basically I I rewatched uh, a lot of Winnie the Pooh stuff two summers back when the Christopher Robin movie was coming out. Because I also grew up watching the, the Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, I think was the cartoon. The New Adventures. The New Adventures. The New Adventures. New Adventures. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I grew up watching that. Oh, there is, yeah, that's that one. And then there is the Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. That's the one that it was a collection of three different that's ones the from. Movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's from 77. It's got three shorts in it. Yeah. yeah. I, I grew up with that as well, but also then the like Saturday morning cartoon. So yeah, I watched a bunch of that stuff growing up, but I never checked out like the Tigger movie or Piglet's big movie or I think it's Pooh's Heffalump movie. And so I was just going like, very much into Winnie the Pooh a couple summers ago. And I was surprised at how charming and good all of it was. And it does raise above that level, I think, of the uh, direct-to-DVD stuff, uh, or what I assume it is. But that said, I feel like this Winnie the Pooh movie just kind of... I think it's the best thing they've done, like, in that in the Disney Winnie the Pooh series. Mm-hmm. I think it... Better than the originals and stuff, or since... 
a certain point you think it's the best they've done i rewatched the originals and like the original is i haven't watched the uh, saturday morning cartoon you know forever but the like the original three shorts they're cute they're charming mm-hmm. uh they're not as polished they're good I, I think that i think there's just more inventiveness and fun going on in this i think as a total package i think it's working better that's interesting okay that's that was actually my thought as well because i love the old winnie the pooh stuff but this because one of the things that struck me watching this one is you did get some of the storybook elements in the originals where they kind of play up the fact that these characters exist in a storybook so you'd see the text and stuff in the originals but this one really took that to the next level with the amount of interaction with the text and like how they use it in the plot when they use all the the fallen letters to climb out of the hole at the end there was there was such a a meta contextual aspect to this and i loved it because like one of the things that i came away with at the end of this was like holy shit i would love to sit down and watch this with my little nephew you know when whenever whenever we're allowed to have human contact again <laughs> but cuz it's there there's there's such an evident love of reading and words within this movie and it comes across in just the presentation in some of the gags or the visual gags that the movie utilizes and i was just really kind of blown away because not that there aren't a lot of other quality children entertainment that you can pick from, but the the focus on that and the way they this movie was so willing to just lean into that kind of wonderment of the written word and storytelling, I thought yeah. was really refreshing. Yeah, like, and they start off with it pretty immediately. Like, you have the narrator who's starting the story, uh, and he's like, and Pooh woke up, and Pooh's just sitting there sleeping, and he's like, Pooh. And so he starts like shaking the book a little bit and then he's tilting the book and all the um, cartoon elements are interacting with that. And I thought that was brilliant. I loved it. I like that they set that tone immediately, but also they keep it up because I was mm-hmm. worried when I saw that in the beginning that they would just kind of like touch on it a little bit and then maybe not do it again. But they kept doing it. They kept being creative with it. It wasn't the same joke over and over. It wasn't the same visual gag. They kept doing different things with it. Like, and it's, it was such a good callback to the classics. Like if you're a big fan of the classics, which apparently we all are. um, I remember in, uh, in blustery day, the wind starts blowing the letters at Pooh. um, Mm -hmm. And he's like, has to fight against the letters. And so it's immediately right off. If you were a fan of the originals, you have this kind of like sort of callback. And even if you're not, it's adorable and hilarious and pulls you right in. It's charming. Like that's my, if I could boil this whole thing down to one word, it would be charming. It was adorable. Isn't there one, I mean, this is like deep recesses of my brain from watching some of those shorts. um, And they may have recreated in this one, but isn't there one where it's like Winnie the Pooh and Piglet, like jump the mid, like the spine of a book, like from one page so. to another. Mm-hmm. That I don't remember. Feels right. I don't remember which one that is, but I do remember. So you don't think that. it was in this one? No, okay. I remember that in Pooh's Grand Adventure, they did a lot of those elements too. And they're also incorporated, like even in the ride at Disney, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they like the, oh, yeah. the queue, it has all the book pages and they're traveling across them. And um, so they've always just kind of played with like, these are stories that, you know, this kid is growing up with and that's why he, you know, 
plays the way he does. But yeah, I love that element of it. I think it's great. <laughs> I was going to say, side note on the opening that Jack was talking about with trying to get Pooh out of bed, my first thought was, if any moment encapul- encap- encapsulates all of us in 2020, I <laughs> felt that was it. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely. related so hard in that Absolutely. moment. <laughs> I loved um, the interaction not just like with the words, but with the narrator, like how much they broke the fourth wall with Pooh and the narrator. Like Pooh would be like, what happens next? And the narrator is like, well, I mean, we have to keep reading. Uh, or like, oh, I wish this paragraph were shorter. Like Pooh literally talking uh, about the book. It was so I love that good. Joke. Yeah, it was an amazing I, joke. Um, I had a little bit of a giggle fit with that. Yeah. Um, and also I geeked out a lot over the cast. If we can shift over yeah. to that real oh, yeah. quick. Like, I just had to keep pausing and looking up things because I'm like, I know this voice. Uh, and of course, the f- I think the first voice you hear after Zoe Deschanel, the lady who sings, is um, John Cleese is the narrator. Yeah. The man who narrates. I was thinking about saying that. That's, yeah, exactly. He was delightful. He was perfect. Yeah. Just, again, so warm. And so even if you'd never heard him before, he was an excellent narrator. But having known him, it was like, oh, my old friend, John Cleese. John, sorry. Right. We're on first name basis. You knew John Cleese? What, what's this? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not friends with Trey and Matt like you are. But, you know, I got some friends in the biz. I mean, if, if that was a real story, I wanted to hear it. But that's all. No, I have not met him. Haven't you? Uh, you met one of them. It doesn't I met, matter. I met Terry Jones, but that's... It's no big that. deal. It's when we fine. do Mr. Toad's Wild Ride, uh, we can talk about that. But the cast was like... Yeah. I got very excited because it was Jim Cummings uh, who's returned, and he started in New Adventures of Winnie the Pooh as Pooh mm-hmm. and Tigger. Uh, and it's like, he, I love him. I, he's like the perfect uh, Winnie the Pooh. Uh, yeah, and he yeah. was also in the 2018 movie, uh, which... Yes. I saw that first, uh, and as soon as he started talking, I was like, I love this movie. I don't even care if the rest of this movie is trash. They got the correct Winnie the Pooh, and that's how kind of how I felt about this one. As soon as Pooh started talking, I was like, yes, all right, I'm in. <laughs> Jess, it seemed like you were, had some stuff to say about cast as well. Oh, yeah, um, so John Cleese, like, I think Disney's been after him for a while, um, starting with, really? like, Great Mouse Detective. They wanted him as Basil of Baker Street in Great Mouse Detective. Um, and he's just been like kind of toying with them for a, a while. <laughs> like I don't, I forget the other two movies uh, that they wanted him for. But yeah, he finally said yes to this one, the one that no one saw. <laughs> it's like fortunately, and he was great. perfect to be in, in uh, was Shrek too, though. He was right. Well, like a, that had his quote. <laughs> we don't speak that name. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, what else was I going to say? There was. You have, you have Spongebob as rabbit. I lost my mind because he I didn't great. realize. Yeah. Okay, but here's the thing. I didn't realize that was him until they were in the pit. Uh, spoiler for anyone listening. They get in a pit at one point. <laughs> um, and they were in there. And, you know, that's when you're hearing rabbit talking a lot in a row. And I was like, I know this voice. And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, my God, it's Tom freaking Kenny. And I was so mad. I wrote down, he is wasted on rabbit. I was so mad. because I, I didn't yeah. think he was enough. Like you said he was good, but I was like, he could have been more. He could have been so much more. They also have uh, Craig Ferguson is owl. As owl. Uh, and he, he talked does, a ton. He was great. He does a solid job. And I, one note I had uh, in regards to owl is they make owl insane in this movie. And I am yes. here for it. Oh, I was not here for it. They just just gave him like crazy eyes in certain scenes and just made him like (laughs) 
like what over the top down? in certain ways. I wrote down something great. along the lines of, was Al always this a, a stuck up? I wrote, was Al always this stuck up? Because I don't recall him being. Oh, um, yeah. Yes. He was always stuck up. They, they make him more comedic because he was always stuck up and like, like, like keeping you at arm's distance and kind of above you. But he usually mm -hmm. wasn't literally. He wasn't presented. He wasn't funny. Like they didn't give him yeah. like jokes usually, so that's gotcha. an aspect that I think worked for him in this one. Yeah, they made they made him a little bit more absurd without it actually breaking the character. Like it, it yeah, still felt like Owl, but they did expand on just how ridiculous his persona actually is because, like, He's usually just feel... stuffy. Like it's just yeah. stuffy. I would say, mm -hmm. I, like as I feel, Owl's always supposed to be like a child's idea of what a smart person is mm -hmm. and this movie takes that to the comedic extreme as opposed to playing it straight i do like that that way of putting it it helps a little bit with my biggest issue with the whole movie which is al is either incredibly intelligent or the stupidest character on screen depending on what the plot needs at the moment <laughs> and that Why drove me both? crazy it drove me insane there was um he couldn't read the note that uh, Christopher Robin left that kind of led to the whole plot of the movie. He couldn't mm. read a very simple note, but when he was going through his books, he understood alphabetical order just fine. He was like, biscuit shouldn't go before baby. And it's like, okay, but you can't spell literally the word tail, T-A-I-L. <laughs> he spells it wrong when he writes it on ears. Yeah. But, and it's very obnoxious. I will, I I will, defend, makes sense, I will defend the movie in terms, I, I I didn't think about like the contradiction, but I'll defend the movie in terms of him like not being able to read well. Cause that's been like a long standing thing with the character of like, even in the original book illustrations, like um, whoever Shepard, I think was the illustrator, uh, the AA Milne books mm -hmm. in those Al, like, well, Al would like spell his name W O L like was what was written like it on on the <laughs> okay. outside of his house all the characters think he's super intelligent and like tim said it's like a little kid's version of an adult or an a super smart person so like him not being able to read uh notes well like i remember that being an element of the older ones too where they would take stuff to him and al would screw things up like it, it that's a that's an aspect but yeah, if there's contradiction, yeah, I wasn't. It's so contra that all of that would be fine if it weren't if they didn't establish him in his first first scene as being super smart and knowing all these big words, which I thought is clever. It's a good way to teach kids words, but they're like, here's all these big complicated words that Al knows and no one else knows, and later it's like Al's a dum dum. Well, I don't, I don't think it's all that contradictory because like he knows all those words, but a kid can repeat a word and might even recognize what that word means, but not, not be able to it. read or write it. Yeah. So when Owl's going through like his books or reading the things that he's written, we don't really see a lot of that. He can read it because it's his, he knows, like think about uh, Charlie Kelly in Always Sunny. Like I've never seen it. So it, I, I shan't. Like, <laughs> He's got his like shambling, illiterate version, and no one, it's indecisible to anyone else, but he can read it because it's coming from his mind. Owl is the same way. Like when it comes to his books and his things, it's coming from him. So he has an innate understanding. But then when he's giving some, he, when he's given something that Christopher Robin wrote and it's not coming directly from him, there's more of a, it's more of a problem for him. And this is, it's also the exact same plot that kicks off Pooh's grand adventure. Right. Yeah. 
which I mm-hmm. which I thought of, I was like, this is this is the search for Christopher Robin, mm-hmm. but I actually thought this movie did it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mainly because this movie keeps all the stakes really low, and I think that's I did like really that. who works best when the stakes are low. Because search yes. for Christopher Robin, you know, he thinks school is skull, skull. and it prompts, them, <laughs> it prompts them to go out on this whole big search. But they actually leave the Hundred Acre Woods. They actually get into legitimate danger, and mm-hmm. like they try to make it this epic thing. Where here they're still in the Hundred Acre Woods. There's never any real danger, mm-hmm. and even when like Piglet or someone might think they're in danger, mm-hmm. as the audience we know nothing's actually going to happen. Yes. So it keeps the stakes low. It keeps everything. You know, we've been calling it charming. It keeps everything in that kind of sincere charming mode, and not kicking gear into some kind of overly epic attempt to make it a. Uh, an adventure or something like that. Yeah. I wrote down, uh, I love about Winnie the Pooh in general. It's how wholesome it is. It's such Mm -hmm. a wholesome thing. You don't have to worry about someone getting hurt or things going horribly wrong. Uh, It's at most, especially in this one, minor inconveniences and misunderstandings and silly scrapes. And they're easily solved. I agree. Great for kids and great for us adults in 2020 where everything is horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Nice to watch. Yeah. This was a warm hug. Yeah. Daily life. I'm just like, ah, let's just go to hundred acre wood everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Although that made, there were a couple of moments that kind of like broke that a little bit, just a little. Um, And I think it was because uh, one of them happened right after I wrote that note. Cause I was like, Oh, this is so pleasant. And then all of a sudden Al singing a song, uh, in which there's a line he's like, so to the death we'll persevere. And I was like, why are you bringing death into this? What do you? Why even bring that up? I was having a good time, Owl. <laughs> I was having a good time. Apparently, I have a problem with Owl. Craig Ferguson did a fantastic job as Owl. I think I just was bothered about how he was written. Death. I feel there's a. I feel there's an even better one. Um, but I I loved it. I love. I mean, if, if we're talking about like breaking the uh, innocence of it, is when they're all trapped in the hole. Um, and I can't remember exactly the sequence of events, but basically, you know, Piglet wasn't able to rescue them or he's stuck in there or my favorite uh, moment. <laughs> I don't exactly remember, uh, what led up to it, but essentially they're, they're stuck in there for, uh, for the moment. And it leads to Eeyore saying, we're all gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. And I was like, a millennial wrote that. And then Owl like goes off of that saying, like, uh, like, well, we won't, we won't perish for days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. I think that might be a good. Where's segue. the lie, Litton? Where's the lie? <laughs> well, what are what are some of the funnier parts of this? What jumped Just out? Because I, I do say. think, I mean, it's we've talked about it being charming, but also yeah. I do think it's like a legit, really funny movie. Like. Yeah. Up there was some of the best. I mean, it's really short, but up there was some of the best uh, that Disney and Pixar has done when you're talking just like the comedic sensibilities and some of the lines in it. Yeah, it's it's genuinely very funny. And I think that's something that Winnie the Pooh has always done super well mm-hmm. is, you know, make me chuckle. And so that sequence in the pit, like uh, when Piglet has the rope and they're like, there's six of us down so here. Put on the rope. <laughs> so he cuts it into six good. pieces. And just Rabbit's face of like yes. disbelief and like I didn't even think you would do that. Like what did you what did, oh it was Amazing. so funny. It was and then so good. that leads into like the conversation of like 
Can you not? I cannot. I died. Oh, oh, there was, it, was, it was like a vaudeville bit. Yeah, the wordplay though. So good. The wordplay in this movie was on point because there was. was that, and there was there was a great bit at the beginning yeah. where uh, Pooh and Piglet keep mistaking owl saying issues for sneezing okay. and yeah. saying a chew. Yeah, like that was fantastic. Agreed. So good. I could not get over. I, I want to memorize that entire like not not sequence. It was genius. It's like uh, who's on first. It was oh, yeah. beautiful. Yeah. It was absolutely beautiful. It was um, so good. Yeah, and then uh, it, in that same, just the pit in general was just a lot of good solid jokes. There's a part where um, Owl flies out of the hole. And They've been just trapped comes... for a while. They've been yeah. trapped there for I don't know. Trapped a couple there. Hours They're all like, or this something. is after Piglet can't save them because he cuts the rope and all these things. And then uh, Al just kind of flies out and does something and comes back in and everybody just just staring at him. <laughs> and he's like, what? And they were like, your speech was amazing. Like they totally didn't even notice that he flew out of the hole. And I just, I thought that was hilarious. It was and great. I think, that's a, I think that's a place where the, the fact that this has such a stacked cast kind of yeah. really comes into play. Because especially compared to the not stuff and the wordplay we've been talking about, Owl flying up and coming back down, like that's a bit more of an obvious gag than some yeah. of the others. But then the delivery of Rabbit's line where he's like, what a fantastic speech. <laughs> like that delivery just sold it so yeah. well. Yeah, and it absolutely. made that gag work. Yeah. <laughs> There's another totally. bit that uh, I, I'd watched this, like I said, a couple years ago, but I'd forgotten about this bit. And it pushes the boundary in terms of like what you expect to see from Winnie the Pooh. But I was totally fine with it just because of how good and funny it was. But when Pooh is trying to like launch Piglet on a little like teeter-totter thing, <laughs> I can't remember what exactly he's trying to do. They're trying it to is, get like to a beehive. Yeah, and, into the uh, beehive. and he literally launches him into the beat where his head is lodged in the beehive <laughs> his entire body his little legs are just sticking out and everything else is inside the beehive <laughs> and it's some good physical comedy and like piglets in there like you know oh i think the i think the bees won't uh sting me since it's uh so common here and then <laughs> you just have very gentle winnie the pooh just starts beating the beehive with a stick <laughs> so and it's good very, and it like it arguably breaks a little bit from like what you tend to expect from Winnie the Pooh, yeah. but for a modern audience and just for a great gag, it's like I'll roll with it. That's it fine. Excellent. I don't care. Oh, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Especially, especially because you have like Piglet following up with like, "Are you sure that's a good idea?" <laughs> yeah. Like, there's that this that yeah. genuine like he is so willing to give Winnie the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, mm-hmm. he wants yeah. to trust him so bad. Yeah, um, <laughs> and it's not like it's not like Pooh's being malicious. Like he's not yeah. like actually trying no, he's to just Piglet, stupid. But just, it's it's again like the. Like that and the the not stuff um, with Piglet, this movie excels at ch- like finding really unique, clever ways to translate a child's logic into yeah, these yeah. visual cues yeah. and like wordplay puns. And yeah, like it's it's on point. Yeah, completely. My absolute favorite joke bit though comes from I, I love this when I saw it the first time as well. They get this note. Christopher Robin wrote a note. And they can't read it because none of them can read. And they go to Owl, as they tend to do. And Winnie the Pooh is there and Piglet's with him. And Pooh says, A note I found at Christopher Robin's with strange words I cannot read. (laughs) Piglet says, But Pooh, you can't read most words. And Winnie the Pooh says, 
Yes, but especially not the strange ones. Like, <laughs> the line delivery of that. of that sequence. Like, <laughs> he talked about Jim, somebody talked about Jim Cummings early Jim on. Jim Cummings, yeah. And I mean, the guy's been working for Disney and other people for like yeah. 40 years or something, like has done so many voices for Disney and other places. He did like the singing voice of Scar and he did stuff in Aladdin and stuff. Or oh. part, part of the, look at a part of the singing voice of Scar, like he had to cover. But yeah, I mean, it's just like the kind of experience of him being this character for so long and also just being yeah, super completely. talented at what he does. Like it, it's just that line could have been so rote and flat and just straightforward mm-hmm. and like, okay, it's whatever. That's fine. But his delivery was phenomenal and I love it. Totally agreed. But I think a huge part of that is also the animation. Like I said, I I went back through that and took screenshots of it because of the way that Pooh is squinting at the page. (laughs) The way that he is drawn in that moment is perfect. Uh, And actually, one of my roommates always jokes whenever anybody uses big words, uh, she's like, talk normal. So I took screenshots of that to send to her to be like, hey, you're Winnie the Pooh. Congratulations. (laughs) But that really did really emphasize to me this is so well animated it's oh, yeah. not just we've kind of touched on a lot of other things um but the animation is gorgeous like yeah. not just the characters but all the backgrounds are beautiful it's absolutely it's, lovely to look at yeah this is the last like fully traditional animated movie that disney has done oh, um, really? yeah. yeah yeah it was Another reason why it's a warm hug. It was just like, oh, I miss that animation. It's beautiful. Is, yeah. You really felt that way. I, I wrote at the very beginning, uh, it hits that old timey note just right, but it's still really clean. It's clear that they worked really hard to give it that older feel while at the same time um, using newer uh, technology to make it very smooth. Like I actually went back and compared some screenshots of uh, like the 70s one to see how close they got it. Um, and the big thing I noticed was the backgrounds. It's um, they made them in the same vein, in the same kind of style, but toned down the blacks a little bit, so they kind of faded mm-hmm. a little bit more. Oh, just just stunning! I, I was like, I would purchase um, cells of this. So, yeah. It's so pretty. Oh yeah, it's gorgeous. And I yeah, I had similar notes about how good it looked. And but I think the animation is really interesting in that. You know, a lot of movies you watch, Pixar or whatever you're seeing, or if it's traditionally animated, they have kind of just a, here's what we're going to do. Here's our here's our palette. Here's our presentation. Mm-hmm. But there might be more that I'm forgetting about. But this movie, I noticed there's at least three different ways it's doing some things. There's the kind of storybook look that's lush mm-hmm. and gorgeous. And yes. you keep coming back to it when they're on the like book pages or they're walking through the woods and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You see that there's during like Winnie the Pooh's honey song it's like there's just all this gold and it's not it's not yeah. it doesn't look storybooky it's like it pops a lot more and they're doing some different things a lot more fantasy it. a lot more yeah uh in your face I'm trying to think of that word I almost Out, had outlandish. it I almost had words um, yeah that's good and then spectacle. the spectacle is the, the word I'm the other for. one is uh when they do the the Baxen song and it shifts to chalk like board. a chalk, chalk drawing and it looks so good great. And not enough animated things like do those kind of like take those risks of we're we're just gonna we're just gonna change it up for the next three minutes, you know. Usually yeah. you're locked into a certain style, and yeah, yeah I, I think across the board we've you know definitely want to keep talking about the animation, but like so the animation, the songs, the cast. We talked about the comedic writing, like 
Mm -hmm. everybody is killing it in this yeah absolutely um and i i know when i when the Baxen part came on and they're doing that chalkboard thing i immediately was like ah this is their heffalumps and woozles where you get really creative really colorful really out there like you take the cartoonishness and just do whatever you want because you're in this fantasy realm at this point um and the song was good i don't think it was nearly as catchy as heffalumps and woozles but what is that might yeah. be Disney peaking right there, Cephalumps <laughs> and Woozles. My favorite part of that Baxin song was the uh, Al like subverts a rhyme that is like coming up. It's like, he says something that rhymes with, it like ends in ooh. And then he says, all I tell you is, you know, expecting true. And it's like, not made up. That's right. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. Like, yeah. Oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah. Very clever. Um, though that Baxen song, though, we are watching racial stereotypes be created on the spot. Right. <laughs> I'm Baxen. telling you, though, what Poor I said Baxen. earlier that <laughs> Rabbit is a bigot in the official canon of Winnie the Pooh. He's not in this movie, so they either were aware of it or the story just didn't take it. But when I, re when I rewatched them, I was shocked because when I don't remember what it's uh, it's in one of the shorts. I don't remember which one, but whatever one Kanga and Rue initially show up for the first time, mm -hmm. um, Rabbit's just like, they're not like us and they can't be here. <laughs> and like, like, I mean, it's not like it's, he's might not be saying those exact phrases, but like, it's, it's total like fear and like get away from them. And they're not to be like, he's just totally unclean. Right. And then eventually, you know, like, and everybody else was like, oh, Kang and Rue, they're cool, whatever. Um, and, event, yeah. and the progress is that eventually Rabbit, you know, realizes like, oh, okay, I guess I'll deal with them. And then when I got to Pooh's Heffalump movie, which is the first time they, like, interact with one for real uh, in canon, I think, because it was always like a fantasy thing. Mm -hmm. mm Honey and Dude. There, there were well, some episodes of yeah, no, you're right. Winnie the yeah, Pooh. You're right. <laughs> it was initially presented as like a like the backs. Tim's like, like let me get out thing. my journal. <laughs> I took extensive do, notes. Do not take my childhood away from me. He's <laughs> correct. The heffalumps and woozles were in the Saturday morning cartoon, but in the original like book and some other in the original shorts, they were just a, kind of a story within the world. And I think a lot of these shorts don't act like that Saturday morning cartoon like existed, but. Regardless, the heffalump comes into it and Rabbit hits the exact same beats that he hit with Kanga and Rue, where it's just like, this thing is dangerous and is going to kill us. And that's the whole like central plot. So yeah, that's... Heffalump on heffalump crime. <laughs> oh no. Oh jeez. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um... <laughs> Let's see if it can recover from that one, Tim. <laughs> well, actually, as, as we're talking about the older cartoons, I just realized that uh, Gopher isn't in this movie at all. He isn't in a lot of yeah. the later ones, I don't think. Yeah, they don't do him in a lot of movies. Okay. Because I remember, I remember him being a big part of the original Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh, and he was oh, in yeah. the, the, in the new, new Adventures of yeah. Winnie the Pooh. Yep. Um, and I think, I might be wrong on this, I think... He is like at the beginning of Pooh's Grand Adventure, but he doesn't go on the adventure with the rest that of them. Sounds that right. sounds right. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> he was I was grounded. But... Well, one thing with him, he's not part of the original Milne books. He was a character they created. So I think uh. they might not like go to him as much or, you know, feel that he's as necessary mm -hmm. or something. Mm -hmm. 
Oh, I think we can all agree his voice is obnoxious. Yeah. yeah I can't even right. do it. I was going to try and I'm like, the, I can't. The whistle S's, I don't uh, like it. <laughs> no. It's great. But he's still a character I like. Yeah, he's grating. He's very, he's good in small doses. You don't want him like being the main character. Can you imagine if he were like the narrator? <laughs> Go for his adventure. No. Uh, no, terrible. Be terrible. <laughs> so any other um, animation notes? Anything else we got for how lush and gorgeous this movie looks? Ooh, a bit of trivia is this is the first time that Christopher Robin's eyes look like people eyes. Oh, they yeah. don't have, they're not just like black dots. <laughs> I they have the white background. That's what it was. I could I, I could not place it because I remember yeah. when he first shows up, I was like, he looks different. <laughs> like they did like and I and and and, it, and I knew it wasn't just the clothes. Mm-hmm. And I was I, I was like trying to place why he seemed off. And like that's uh, I didn't realize that's what it was. The yeah. voice yeah. the voice jumped out at me just because yeah. ingrained in my mind, I'm sure, is whatever the voice should be to my child brain of like right, you know yeah. the the uh, Saturday morning cartoon version. So when he spoke, it's like, that's not Christopher Robin. Who does this kid think he is? Get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't notice about the eyes, but at least it's finally uh, putting to bed all those conspiracy theories about uh, how Christopher Robin is really just a haunted doll hanging out with all his other haunted doll friends. You know, it's been plaguing the Winnie the Pooh series for years. So I'm glad they finally put that to rest. That's important. Um, Tim has several journal entries about that. (laughs) He's got a whole blog about it. We don't talk about it anymore. Uh, He went real deep into that. So 15 years of my life I dedicated (laughs) to this and now it was for nothing. (laughs) Another small, tiny animation note. You know, I'm not much of, I don't do drawing. I'm not much of an artist. So I think there's probably a ton of really cool animation things that they did that just flew over my head. But one tiny little thing that I noticed when Tigger came in, I really loved how they did his stripes. They they were kind of sketchy in a way. It wasn't just a solid black Mm -hmm. line. It was like this, they were uh, a little bit gray and had a sketchy look to them. And it was, I don't know why it appealed to me so much. I think it's just kind of that drawing-y style. And then I kept noticing it elsewhere. They kind of did the same thing with uh, Winnie the Pooh's eyebrows. And it just kind of that, Mm -hmm. they weren't always using harsh blacks a lot. And I think that really added to the warm hugginess of the film as we've been calling yeah. it that's you know the the official term um it just softened it a whole lot it was beautiful it was just a tiny little thing that i really loved yeah i, I think there are a lot of little quirks to the animation things that they were adding in again i think they were all swinging for the fences mm-hmm. and really trying to make this work it, it was the first theatrical released one i think like the tigger movie was maybe like 2000 or something and they did Piglet's Big Day, but I don't know that that one actually was released to theaters. Mm. Um, I could be wrong on that, but it's the first one that they had, uh, first Winnie the Pooh movie they had done in a while. So I think everybody was like, you know, really trying to make it work. And there was a really good visual bit I liked in the same scene when Pooh was reading the note where I think Al is putting a honeypot on top of uh, the mantelpiece whose eyes are just totally fixated on that and so his mm-hmm. head just swivels around his body <laughs> like linda blair style and then, and then his body follows like he was like a twisted out dish rag and yep. it like zips around yep. so that was just like a fun little animation thing that you easily could have just had winnie the pooh turns his head and follows the 
honeypot. But no, I mean, they, they make it into a cute little bit. And then when yeah. he like tries to stand on some books to get the pot, um, yeah. like stomach bursts open and it's fluff yeah. because, you know, he's, uh, he's, uh, just a bear toy bear. And yeah. it's not, uh, not <laughs> it's mildly upsetting, would've, but yeah. It would have been a very different movie if that was more than just fluff. Yes. If yeah. they had released True. the hard art, like we all wanted. <laughs> <laughs> the Snyder cut of Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, not not quite the animation, but kind of in, in a similar vein. Um, I really loved how they did the credits, both kind of at the beginning and at the end, where it's uh, live, live quote-unquote action. But it was just a bunch of stuffed animals in a really warmly lit uh, child's playroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. A lot of wood, a lot of warm tones. And then they, would, they recreated a lot of the scenes with real stuffed animals. It was... Yeah adorable i couldn't even handle it it was so cute so cute that's a that's a callback to the original shorts as well because the opening of the original shorts like it comes in on the live action room and Mm -hmm. there's the real stuffed animal versions of the character before the camera zooms in on the book and then you enter the animation so that was yeah that was really nice yeah and i think they turned it up a notch uh, especially the beginning was very much in that vein but then at the end they really took their time with the credits the 10 minute long credits um <laughs> but they, it was like at least they made it interesting to watch well you a said it was six, only 53 well they six they, of yeah. the running time is credits that's what i wrote i wrote a, <laughs> she's right i mean well that's uh there was some discrepancy because tim was seeing it as slightly higher but according to my blu-ray and then from when i was like looking at the log time it's 63 minutes, and I think to be able to qualify for, like, awards and stuff, it's always been you have to have, like, for Oscars and other awards, you have mm-hmm. to have a minimum of 60 minutes to qualify as a feature film. Because yeah. uh, I don't know if there's – is there a cutoff for a short film, Jack? Do you know if, like, obviously short? I like that you asked me, but I have no <laughs> idea. I wish I could have lived up to your confidence in me just then, but right. I cannot. Well, I'll keep it in mind for next time then. Yeah, um, yeah. Underestimate me, please. <laughs> So, but yeah, so I, so I'm, I'm assuming they're trying to hit that 60 mark, especially with the songs they had that they, you know, thought, well, we could potentially, you know, win some Oscars with this and also to just not have a movie released in theaters that was like 52 minutes, but yeah, right, so yeah. then the last 10 minutes, I mean, they're, they do some cutesy stuff with the characters and then there's a little stinger at the end, but yeah, yeah. most of the last 10 minutes is just credits and it's, yep. so it's 53 yep. minutes is the main yeah, uh, feature. Because you guys were kind of bringing up some of the the trivia stuff, Jack and Jess. Do either of you know if they cut anything originally? Because Linton was talking about this because we were arguing about the runtime because he he said it's it's sixty three. Mm-hmm. I ended up watching it on Disney Plus, and on Disney Plus it's sixty eight. Yeah. It's an hour. Well, that's because minutes. yeah, there's five minutes of uh, translation stuff at the end. So oh, things okay, that they had to put go. on Disney. Yeah. I literally oh, wrote that down. Oh, okay. So that's the discrepancy then. I Correct. I stopped when, when it when it faded to black after we saw the the backs and I stopped. Yeah, Marvel style secret end credit exactly. thing. Exactly. Yeah. 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 They totally. Get pulled into that. Marvel, Marvel didn't credit. create that. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, they just made it famous. So really, yeah, we we should thank Winnie the Pooh every time we see those in the end of credits. We should be like, ah, yes, the Winnie the Pooh style yes. uh, end credit scene. Yeah, absolutely. Move over, Fury. Indeed. <laughs> Um, I didn't read about cut scenes. I know that originally they, I think they wanted to do five of the like original stories, but only got three in. 
mm. um, in a combination. But uh, yeah, I couldn't tell you if there were any like deleted scenes. I saw that there were some things. I saw that, and I also saw there were some things that were cut. But that was based on like some of the trailers would show little bits and sequences that we didn't see in the finished film. So, you know, I don't know if those are like not fully developed ever. You know, they might have only done a certain segment as part of the trailer. It might not have been totally mm. finished yet. Uh, or they just cut things down, cut things out. I don't know why you would. You're at 63 minutes. You could easily be at an hour and a half for this movie. I mean, most Pixar things are that. Uh, I think some Pixar things are probably like an hour 40, like uh, Incredibles. Yeah, but stuff. if they're aiming for a pretty young audience, something nice about Winnie the Pooh, when done well, is that it can be essentially intergenerational. It's great for real, real little kids, mm-hmm. but also great for really, really old kids. Uh, like everyone can enjoy this it's like all in between by old kids i meant old people who are kids at heart i'm not sure that that came across i'm gonna explain my joke should i keep going and explain it further my very good and funny joke that i made uh so that's what makes joke that's what makes jokes better tell us more about (laughs) old children jack (laughs) it's really that's i think um something in its favor even though it was weird that it was only less than an hour it still it makes it better for families i think yeah i I don't think it i don't think it hurts it i don't think you're Mm -hmm. watching it and feeling cheated it's just unusual that it's as short as it is and you said it was released in theaters yeah yeah Yeah, then that it it is weird that's strange but um i think it was a good call it's a shame that it didn't do better so that there's kind of more in that vein well watching it in theaters would be weird too because then like the trailers and stuff before the movie are going to be as long as the movie right yeah it's true (laughs) yeah so on the point of it uh being released in theaters um it was uh it made 50 million dollars on a 30 million budget oh well made its money back that's not bad well maybe i don't know i know with like uh that usually doesn't include marketing costs like at least when you're dealing with like big blockbustery things and it costs 200 million dollars they usually figure in like well there's at least 100 million on top of that for marketing so like the number you see in the trades is never the real number now for a movie like this it's probably not the same thing and i don't think they did market it particularly well so maybe i was gonna say they did not spend much if they marketed it at all but the crazy thing when i was looking into this because we've all basically agreed that it's incredibly charming incredibly well done and fun and great songs and funny and everything it's like why wasn't this a success why don't we know about this and the reason is because Disney opened it against Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 the same wow. day. Wow. I would like to discuss wow. with all of you why did that happen? Why did Walt, the Walt Disney Company make that move? You know, it just seems like a ridiculous oversight of just like and also like i don't think of winnie the pooh as like a summer blockbuster yeah. so like i thought why don't they make this like a christmas release or like a yeah, thanksgiving oh, yeah. like, family i saw movies. that yeah. yeah this was like a really unusual release because they you know they are they usually release them at like november mm-hmm. uh, their animated stuff and this broke tradition with that what d- do you know what was released in the winter of 2011? Like what was a released holiday 2011? Cause it's also, if something else big came out in the fall that they were trying to avoid, it's possible that someone thought 
their chances would be getter, better against mm. Harry Potter. Like, I know this isn't the case, but versus, say, Star Wars, they may have hedged their bets that way. But I don't know what would have come out. The 2011, holidays, 2011. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it wouldn't have been Star oh. Wars. But yeah, there could have been some competition. But I, the thing that throws me is like... Why not a week or two oh, later? Actually, Why not yeah, exactly. Like, it, well, and it's, it's not like you're opening against... Like, one that came out recently that was a big debacle was the Cats movie. And cats open. I don't want to talk about it. I don't care, Jack. (laughs) I do want to talk about it, Jack. I don't want to talk about it. Cats open up against Star Wars, and you can argue, okay, those aren't necessarily the same audiences. Maybe people who don't want to see Star Wars would go to Cats. Obviously, there is some overlap, but I can I can see the rationale for it being, you know, you don't want to see Star Wars. Here's your alternative. But the audience for Harry Potter is made up largely of children. Now, not necessarily the age of children. What? If you're using children in the sense that Jack used it like five minutes ago, then yes, it's for children <laughs> of all ages. Listen, all don't bring your Harry Potter I'm, hate into this. No, no, no. Is, is, that's is not Jack what I'm arguing against yourself right now. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that I'm not saying that only children like or care about Harry Potter. Obviously, you have people who grew up with it and are going to it as teens and adults and people who are taking their kids to it. But are you going to deny that kids don't go to Harry Potter movies? Like, are talking kids, like genuine, like, mm. you know, little kids into... Genuine kids. Grade yeah. A, genuine well, children. you created this scenario where we now have to define what children means, so... <laughs> That's fair. I did. <laughs> anyway, all I'm saying is that while, yeah, like, Woody the Pooh might appeal a lot to, like, four, five, six, up to ten-year-olds and stuff like that... And that Harry Potter obviously goes beyond those. I feel like a lot of those four, five, six, up to 10 year olds are still going to be going to Harry Potter with their parents and their older siblings. So who's going to be taking them to Winnie the Pooh when you're taking the whole family to see the final movie in the Harry Potter series? I just do not understand how they would put it head to head with it. Yeah, I will say I did. I did actually look this up of like what came out in November of 2011 um, because I was like, what movies is I seeing? Cause I skipped mm-hmm. Harry Potter. I skipped Captain America. I skipped this. And so, but in November, the Muppets came out. Okay. Ah, and I did see one? that three times the in first... theaters. <laughs> uh, yeah. The Jason <laughs> okay. Siegel one. So. Yeah. And Disney um, would not have wanted those to compete. Against. I think those are more of a conflict where they could take their chances with Harry Potter, but maybe not with Muppets. That makes well, sense. And, and they'd be cannibalizing themselves because they would both be Disney. Right. Well, that makes yeah. sense too because they were trying to launch the Muppets. They had recently bought it, and they were trying to launch it as a big brand, uh, big family brand. Whereas Winnie the Pooh could, like, all right, if this doesn't succeed, it's not going. We can no release deal. another one on video, and it's not going to yeah. matter. So that's unfortunate, yeah. but I, that does make a little more sense. I agree with you, Jack. Like, why not wait two weeks or do it two yeah. weeks earlier? The only rationale that I can think of is that they were thinking, okay, if you are a family and you have like two parents and you have multiple kids and some of them are maybe too young to go mm-hmm. see Deathly Hallows Part 2, then okay, parents split, uh, one parent takes the older kids and one parent takes the younger kids. But that's like such a narrow window of yeah. audience that, that doesn't, or I don't think Harry that would be Potter good is enough. Sold out. <laughs> Yeah, like, exactly. Like, it will take their table scrap? Yeah, feels like a waste. Well, I think, I, I, I did not I did not know until you brought it up that they opened it against Harry Potter, which is 
But I, I think part of it might be too, because when when that question was initially posed to me, my thought on why it hasn't it didn't catch on as well, and why even maybe Disney didn't have that much faith in it, and why they may have just said, you know, screw it, we'll open it against Harry Potter because they didn't think they would get a lot of money anyway, is as we've said, Winnie the Pooh is very charming. It's very mm. wholesome. There is a huge amount of just outright sincerity to the series and to the characters and the stories they tell. And that, that kind of charming sincerity isn't really all that trendy. Like it gives it a Not much 2011. More... It is now. Well, yeah. We've kind of come around the other end. So yeah. But I mean, we've, we've called it timeless and, but part of the thing, what timeless is it's really good because then we can pick it up, like watch it now and it's still delightful and we love it. But when something's timeless, you also can't use it to capitalize on any kind of trend. And And we brought up the Muppets that came out later that year. And the Muppets are also something that traditionally has been more in that more sincere camp where there's not a lot of cynicism. It's not a lot of that kind of humor. But then when you look at what they did with the Muppets in 2011 is they did kind of bring attention to that. Mm -hmm. Like part of the plot is that the Muppets feel displaced because there isn't as much room for them in a cynical world. You know, Winnie the Pooh doesn't do that. Winnie the Pooh is a hundred percent committed to that wholesomeness. And that may, I think that makes it hard to a market, and B, get that get that kind of traction that might be necessary to really push it into a mainstream success. Yeah. Now, maybe now, you know, we're all burnt out on how terrible things are. So maybe now that something like that would catch on more. But 2011, it it was, you know, they probably saw that and went, I don't know that we can sell this. Yeah, that's totally possible. True. Yeah. All speculation on my part. But that was, that was what came. We'll to read mind. your blog post about it later. Uh, excuse me, it's a treatsy, Jack. Sorry, sorry. Is it treats? I thought it was treatise. It's treatise. It is treatise. It is not treatise. Okay. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. No, no, that's the name of the, the right, blog. Everyone, that's... everyone, everyone, be quiet for a few seconds so that we cut. No, don't cut this out. No, no, we can't. Absolutely not. We will not, not cutting be cutting that forever. Uh, um, so, oh, do you have anything, Jack? I was gonna. I one tiny yeah. itty bitty little Go thing that I really needed to bring up uh, is that I watch everything with subtitles on. Um, it helps me to like really focus on, I don't have to focus as much on what they're saying because I can just read it. And, uh, you would get along so well with my fiance. That's important. That's good. Great. Inform, (laughs) inform this person. We're best friends now. This is good. (laughs) So they, whenever they, uh, bring up balloon, like there was a red balloon that was almost a character. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that they were really trying to make it more of a character because uh, it was not spelled B A L L O O N. It was spelled B apostrophe L O O N. Balloon, like, balloon. and I loved it. And I would like to start a petition that that is how we now always spell balloon because it's adorable. So look for that on change.org. Yeah, I'm on it, working on it. So uh, I think I know the answer to this, but would we recommend the 2011 Winnie the Pooh film? Absolutely. 
Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. I feel like this should be a much bigger staple in, yeah. you know, media libraries for children. Yeah. Like I said before, just the absolute love this movie has for stories and the written word. Totally. I think is fantastic. And I wish, I wish more children's media embraced that kind of amazement with something that we take for granted as, you know, but is so integral to, you know, development and our just enjoyment of life. Completely. It's, uh, it's heartwarming. It's fun. It's not scary. Um, you know, they create, they go out of their way when they're creating kind of the, uh, bad guy for this movie, they go out of their way to make it not scary. Like every single character, when they're singing about the Baxen, uh, and creating its problematic tendencies as they go, Every character adds something to it that they're personally afraid of. They're kind of like projecting all of their fears onto this imaginary creature. But all of the fears are... Yeah. It's all uh, little tiny things that are not that scary, more frustrating than anything. Yeah. There was a really good uh, joke in that, though. They do a a sequence of like, I don't know, it's like probably eight to ten where all the characters are listing all these really mundane things that the Baxen does. Uh, Coals in your socks. I don't know what the other ones were uh, that come anyone remembers but they did a bunch of stuff and it ends with with kanga saying they steal your youth and they yes. like have yes. kanga's face like deteriorate yes. like uh like donovan at the end of indiana jones and the last crusade <laughs> when he drinks from the yeah. wrong holy grail yeah she just becomes this old lady which if they have a direct indiana jones reference with piglet where he's oh, yeah. doing the the yeah, swap the, the acorn yeah yeah, yeah it does an acorn swap like he does like the idol swap Oh yeah, but it's just it it again is so accessible for even the littlest of kids, and mm-hmm. I yes, total recommendation, adorable. Yeah, I think they. I mean, yeah, they do a great job of keeping it low stakes the whole time, but they also like even if that song is scaring the littler ones, like I think they immediately ease the tension at the end of it, like when they're all just like, "All right, we'll be back soon," and I was like, "Oh." it's back soon. Like, so you like, no, Very right good. Away, there's no threat. Very like, good. It's kind of like, Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Love oh, that. and with uh, Tigger being, there's a, a part where Tigger gets all dressed up to pretend to be the Baxen and immediately was like, he becomes the Baxen. Someone's <laughs> going to confuse him for the Baxen. I just know it. This is my, my very expensive degree coming to use <laughs> finally after all these years. <laughs> But it was that was cute too because it was again, you know, Piglet was mistaking Tigger for the Baxen, but you, the audience, know absolutely that that's not real. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, just removing the fear of it totally. It's nothing to fear but fear itself. Like, yes, that's yes. what is going on in this movie. Absolutely, it's true. <laughs> so yeah, I concur. Uh, I agree with all of those points. Excellent points that uh, it is a warm charming movie if your kids love frozen and love the not nearly as good frozen 2 but if you like uh if you're getting sick of hearing all of those frozen songs uh this is by the same writing team uh, for the songs and they're very charming and fun along mm-hmm. with everything else that's great that's happening in this movie so that is the 2011 winnie the pooh join us next time where we will have a new round table and we'll be looking at the John Carpenter classic Assault on Precinct 13. So I'll see you then.